now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Our guest today is going to talk about a plethora of experiences with which I think will benefit all of our listeners. Uh, Suzanne Matthew has a bachelor's in education, a master's in counseling, and is a certified Myers-Briggs type indicator, as well as a certified life coach. She's a teacher, counselor, life coach, like I said before, a Myers-Briggs practitioner, and an author as well as entrepreneur. She's opened her own drama school in two locations and had 90 kids in her books. She's founded a children's clothing company, and she and her husband have even went up to the, left this state, went up to the Sunshine Coast, and started their own private school from scratch and grew it to a 1,000 students. Recently, Suzanne even co-authored a book called In the Spirit of Bliss. She runs workshops for children to empower them and build confidence and resilience, and she currently runs adult communication courses for businesses. So if you think your team or your family could benefit from understanding personality differences as well as body language and and improving their communication and listening skills, if you think they could benefit from that, you might want to listen up today. So uh, thank you very much, Suzanne, for being here with us. Thank you, Matt. So uh, what, what have you done today on this holiday, this public holiday? Oh, yes, I had a lovely holiday today. I've actually been preparing for a course um, on Saturday called Advanced Communication Skills. But I did have a – the rest of the weekend was a bit of fun. I went to a fourth birthday party. I went to a show Friday night at the city. So I feel as if I've had a good balance. All right. Yeah. So you're preparing. You're preparing a, a, a class that you're running on this Saturday. Yeah, this Saturday, advanced communication skills. So, a lot of people uh, have done a communications course with me, but it's not a prerequisite for this one. This one, I go into more uh, conflict, uh, how to not be defensive, stonewalling, uh, you know, being aggressive, that sort of thing, and how to how to be assertive, that sort of thing. And so a bit, bit of the listening skills, a bit of the personality differences. So it's a bit of a smorgasbord, but uh, people who really want to strengthen their, uh, their communication skills. Wow. Well, how, how could people sign up for that if, if they're interested? <laughs> I mean, well, I'm actually this, – this time it's not for a business. I'm doing it for WEA. So uh-huh. um, that's WEA is? is a workers' educational – I'm not sure. It's an adult education um, institution. And isn't that terrible? I can't think of the, what the A stands for. Well, it's a, it's a government agency, so they always have uh, acronyms. Yeah. But so so you're doing this for the government. Oh, it's not really for or, the government. Oh, no, I thought it was. I'm sorry. You know, it's a private. It is a private organization. Uh-huh. But they run a, you know a plethora of courses from cooking oh. to Greek dancing to educational courses, business courses. Oh. 
So it's a whole mixture of things, and okay. it's, it's not very expensive for the public. And so, the, if they wanted to to see see get in this course, how could they do it? Well, they could apply at WEA, but then uh, I also am going to be running, say, uh, Myers Briggs personality course for a business in a few mm-hmm. weeks' time. So, you know, businesses can contact me if they would like to. Mm-hmm. run some communication courses, mm-hmm. you know, for professional development or anything like that, or mm-hmm. schools. Um, yeah, so I sort of a do businesses, sc- educational institutions, and... So do you have a website they could contact you on or something? I don't at the moment, but they can go on LinkedIn. Okay. Or I have an email address that they can t- contact me on. Um, and it's Suzanne right. Matthew on LinkedIn. Uh, no, uh, yes, sorry, it is. Mm. But my, shall I give my email address or at the end? Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. Susie, S U Z I E, mm-hmm. Matthew, M A T H E W, no S, mm-hmm. at gmail. Oh, sorry. Suzanne Matthew, I'm getting this up. Susie Matthew 89 at gmail.com. Mm. So it's the 89. Okay, Sorry great. About that. <laughs> well, I, 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 when I was preparing for this, because I've known you for, uh, I don't know, a year and a half or two years or something yeah. now, I, I was telling myself, it's Matthew, Matthew, yeah. Matthew. Because Ma- <laughs> Matthew is somebody's name. Matthew's to me is a last mm. name. I always put the, so I, I, I'm committed to not putting the S on the end. So we'll yeah. see, we'll see if I get away, well, <laughs> if I get is, through this one. The that. thing is, your name is Matthew. Yeah, My I know. name is Matthew, so you've got to remember. Well, me. well, yeah, but that's yeah. my first name. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Susan, you're doing some uh, some really exciting things right now. Uh, let's start off with uh, how you're helping adults improve their communication skills and and their lives in the in the business and even in the family, like you were talking about. So, okay. can you tell us a little bit about about that, like what you teach and all right. Well, and, uh, when I f- uh, when I teach communication st- skills, the first thing I talk about is uh, I ask them. What percentage of communication do you think talking is? Oh, and they all have something like 30%. Oh, no, 80% or 40%. But, in fact, it's only 7% of communication, and people are usually shocked by that. And Mm -hmm. then I say, so what do you think the 93% might be? Somebody might say body language. I say, well, body language is part of it, but there's also 38% that is um, paralanguage, which is like things like our tone, as in sarcasm or anything like that, or uh, pauses, the poignant pause, could be all the, the yawning, all the ways we create meaning through those little mannerisms. And uh, they're very, you know, very important. And, and then I teach how to use body language when you're in a social situation and how to fake it till you become it. And that actually there's a book called, uh, sorry, it's a uh, TED uh, TED um, talk mm-hmm. on on um, YouTube called "Fake It Till You Become It." Mm-hmm. A lot of people have heard of "Fake It Till You Make It," mm-hmm. but this is by Amy Cuddy, and it's really worth uh, watching. It's very powerful. So I teach people how to act, actually come into a room confidently by faking the confidence, mm-hmm. holding your head up high, holding your shoulders back, smiling. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't know anyone in the room, you smile at somebody way ahead to give yourself confidence and you just keep acting like that and you look at yourself in the mirror and you try and practice that sort of thing and then I teach them about every part of their body and how to be confident and I even teach how to spot a liar Mm. (laughs) so it all starts with the feet 
Oh my God! Our our, uh, your face. our phone is our phone is lighting up here. All these girls want to know <laughs> how they can find out if their partner's alive. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> girls, go go for the feet. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah. There, there's some some great stuff there. I I uh, was reminded a couple things when 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 you were saying that. The first thing that popped in my head was, uh, you know, if. I can see just by having a plan, if you walk into the room, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be as nervous. So so if you say, okay, well, okay, I'm going to walk in this room and I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this, then you, you're thinking about the things you have to be to do so you don't have time to be spazzing yes. <laughs> and, and, and getting scared about what's going on. It's so you true. Know? Have so, a plan, yeah. but take a deep breath before you go mm-hmm. in. And the, one of the quick ways to make sure you don't look like you're stressed is you lower your shoulders. Mm. A lot of people can smile and try and look confident, but it's showing up in their shoulders. So mm. deep breath, lower your shoulders, and uh, remember the thing is to make other people feel comfortable because mm. a lot of people feel shy. Mm. So if you can fake it, like when I was a headmaster's wife, I had to meet thousands of new people, and I was a little on the shy side. But I had to go up to people all the time and act as though I was confident. Mm. And I think I probably came across as confident. Mm. But so it, and in time, it gets more natural. So you just do have to practice that. Wow, that reminds me of a, a, of a quick story. I, I don't want to take too much time, but I'm going to tell it any, real quick because yeah, sure. I think you'll like it. I was watching television with my dad. This was, gosh, 30, 40 years ago. And the, they were interviewing this fella. And this guy, he was talking about how he was uh, pretty awkward as a kid and all this kind of thing. Yeah. And he talks about when he would turn 16 or 17, he discovered girls. <laughs> and he said, man, I'd like to get me one of them. <laughs> so he thought, what do, I, what do I do to get these girls to like me? Yeah. And he said, well, hmm, what are girls like? And he said, hmm, girls like athletic guys. And uh, he went, oh, but I'm not very athletic. And then he thought to himself, girls like smart guys. <laughs> and he goes, oh, but I'm a C student if I'm lucky. <laughs> and then he thought, well, girls like guys who are suave and sophisticated. Mm. And then he went, but I'm not suave and sophisticated. I'm pretty clumsy and awkward. But then he thought, well, you know, there are some girls out there that aren't that bright. Maybe if I acted suave and sophisticated, yeah. I could fool a couple <laughs> and they'd go out with me. So he started acting suave and sophisticated, and eventually Cary Grant became the personification oh. of uh, suave and sophisticated. Yeah. So that's I, a really I, good yeah. uh, anecdote. To yeah. So I, I, I think that there's a lot of value in in what you're saying there, and, and uh, it's good. great that you can help people, you know, be their be their best selves. Yeah. The it's other awesome. thing, the other thing I um, really enjoyed teaching people is about personality differences mm-hmm. because as you said I was Myers-Briggs facilitator mm-hmm. and um, it's amazing how many people think that everybody else thinks the same way as them. Mm. I in fact uh, I run a course called Why Aren't You More Like Me mm. which is a tongue-in-cheek title mm-hmm. but one lady actually came in and she said I've come to this course because I want to know why people are not more like me. <laughs> And then there's another guy I heard of a couple of days ago. He's just done the Myers-Briggs course, and he was astounded that he, he's one of these uh, feeling people. He thought everybody was just having difficulty in 
being feeling. He he didn't realise he thought they're all feeling people, but they're just having a hard time of it. Mm. And uh, I think it's a good wake up call. Well, think. yeah, it's, it, I was probably gosh forty before I could really grasp that concept. Is so that right? uh, yeah, <laughs> there's some really really great uh, stuff that we've talked about so far, and I'm really looking forward to the next session where we're going to talk about. Uh, a lot of great things uh, about how you're helping children build confidence and resilience, as well as uh, your uh, Myers Briggs, yes, uh, that where you're teaching people about how other people think and okay. to communicate better. But we're going to be back in just a second with Suzanne Matthew. Thank you. Welcome back. We're here with Suzanne Matthew, Hi. Uh, entrepreneur, <laughs> uh, Myers Briggs uh, facilitator, uh, life coach. Uh, Everything. Oh, She's yes. done it all. <laughs> Master's I, I think, degrees, you name them. I, 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 was feel, a really, song, I feel a song coming on. I, I, yeah. <laughs> well, I, did <laughs> I did it my way. Well, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the awesome conversation you guys were having during the break, you and Mark Aston here, about, uh, uh, you know, the, you, you said that one of the things that you like to do is make people feel good about themselves. And Mark yeah. pointed out that's a very powerful skill to have. And also... Uh, you know, that a lot of times the people that have that, that try to do that are kind of, this is my term now, not what you guys yeah. said, but milk toasty. And, uh, you know, they do that at their own expense. They build up others by dragging themselves down, which mm -hmm. doesn't really yeah. help. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, well, I guess um, in my experience, uh, whether probably unconsciously, I built a protective wall around myself and in the many years I've done counseling, you know, you know, I've encountered very severe situations, but I always make sure that I don't suffer from that and I don't have never taken other people's problems home. So I can feel empowered myself to raise them up to be the best version of themselves, hopefully, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't feel as if I've ever got dragged down. Mm. I mean, maybe there were some initial times. Uh, I think the point that Mark was making was that, um, you know, you uh, – a lot of times, like, for example, uh, you know, you might say something like, oh, gosh, you know. Or somebody might say something like, oh, you're so, uh, so bright. I wish I was as good at math as you. You know, like it, you, you build the person up talking about how they're great at math, and then but you're saying you aren't good at math or whatever. I'm just giving an example yeah, yeah. as a teacher or, or, or a tutor or something. So, you know, and it's important not to do that yeah, exactly. is what you were saying. And yeah. why is that? Because that's something I do, by the way. Um, I, I actually used to run a, a, a drama session for kids, mm -hmm. and we'd do this with, say, A and B. Mm -hmm. And one would be saying, gee, I like your shirt. You know, it's really great. And the other person would say, gee, thanks, yeah. And they would go up. But the other person would start to say, yeah, they'd start to think, I wish I had a shirt like that. Mm -hmm. and, and so the envy would come in and then I'd get them to reverse roles just mm -hmm. to see it just to show them that you you know uh, you have to be very careful when you uh, do praise up that you're not you know putting yourself down and that kind of thing mm. so I, you know, I think you're making a good point that you you mustn't put yourself down to any extent at you can empathize with them try and be where they're at mm -hmm. but I don't think you should or um, uh, you know, it's probably not good for yourself if you put yourself down in order to raise them up. Mm. 
So it's a little bit like the old uh, put your mask on first and then help the yeah. person next to you. Yeah. So, so, so to be of good service to others, which mm-hmm. is the ultimate mission, yes. uh, you've got to protect your own pause. Yes. Your own positive attitude and your own uh, self-esteem so you're strong enough to help others. Is that yeah, what you're saying? I, yeah, exactly. And I do tell a lot of my clients that you know, when, mm. when they're thinking of um, – looking after, you know, women who are saying, I'm looking after my elderly mum and I'm looking after my grandchildren. I feel I've got no time for myself. And a lot of people seem to have that, especially middle age. They feel as if they haven't, uh, they're stuck in the middle and they haven't got time for themselves. And I sometimes say in a gentle way about putting the oxygen mask on yourself, try and think of one thing a day that you could just do for yourself, Mm. whether it's just a little walk or a a warm bath or something like that, just to take care of yourself because you're good to nobody if you can't look up yeah, yourself. Yeah, I, I can see the value in that. Even if you're just, I don't want to say just a parent, but mm-hmm. even if it's you're uh, you're a housewife, you might be like, oh, I'm not, I'm just a housewife. What, what I, like first yeah. of all, there's a big problem with that statement. That's the ba- yeah. foundation of our society is built on mothers raising good children, mm-hmm. you know. But besides that, you know, um, you know if if even a mom, you know, doesn't feel too good about herself, she's not going to be able to take good care yeah. of her children emotionally. Yes. You know, I mean, probably physically she can muddle through, yeah. but she's not going to give them the. She's not going to teach them the things they need to uh, be good citizens yeah, and good members of uh, productive, positive members of society. I so would think, true. and that's you know? why I, I just absolutely love helping people to feel good about mm. themselves and feel. And see their possibilities, mm. things that they haven't even seen in themselves, and you know, so they can look back years later and say, "Well, you know, today I'm a happy, confident person who's reached all of my dreams." But it wasn't always so mm. because I was stuck, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Well, that was a tangent, but a productive one. You know. <laughs> yes. Let, let's talk a little bit about. Tell me about the Meyer Briggs, you know, uh, thing that you do, oh. and ha- and how. Uh, you know, give 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 the audience a quick, uh, okay. a, uh, you know, a cook's uh, you tour. Know, yeah, yeah, cook's and tour and, and maybe give them a couple words of things that might not know. All right, you know, uh, uh, what their appetite, you know, to learn more about that. Okay, so when I give a group an assessment, it's like not a test; it's really just a personality. We'll call it a quiz, but it's not really. Uh, we go through eight different qualities introvert, extrovert, and a lot of people think that means shy. Notice I'm speeding up talking because I know there's quite a lot to Mm -hmm. put in. But there's uh, introvert, extrovert, where you get your energy from. Like some people might think, well, I like people, but I certainly like to go home afterwards and uh, spend time by myself. Mm. And a lot of people in this society um, feel as if you've almost got to be an extrovert. And there's a great book called Quiet, and it's how to be... If you're an introvert, how to cope in an extrovert's world. Mm. It's very good. Um, so an extrovert, sometimes we think, you know, introverts think they're show-offs and that sort of thing. Extroverts think that the introverts, are oh, they're just, you know, not communicating well. They sit in their office. They just want to email. And so what I teach is how not to make assumptions about each other and um, how to not have misunderstandings. The next category is uh, intuitive and sensate and intuitive means you like the big picture let's see the possibilities I've got an idea I've got an idea about solving the food problem in the world and the sensate person says 
yeah, but what are we having for dinner tonight? Mm. They're the details people. And mm. sometimes they have a mis, uh, mismatch. They can't understand each other. Mm. Um, so that's how they take in information in different ways. Then the, la- uh, the second last one is the thinking and the feeling. And again, there's a lot of, there can be conflict in, with people because the feeling people want to make sure everybody's on board, everybody's harmonious, they don't like any conflict or anything. The thinking person's analytical, uh, they like to do something in a logical way, and sometimes the feelers think that they're too harsh, and the thinkers think, oh, you're all fluffy, it's just feely, touchy-feely, that kind of thing. So that's a, an assumption they make. And the last one, and I have... So many people that uh, this is an area for conflict. It's judging. It's not judgmental, but judging and uh, uh, per- perception, um, perceiving. So the, the judging people like the planning, the, uh, the structure. They love to think, that's my goal. I'm going to get there. They study or they work to a goal in a steady way. The perceiving people, I bet there are a lot of people out there, they just are spontaneous. They get an idea and they think, oh, I'll just do that. But on the way, you know, they want to tidy up their bedroom. But on the way, they see this dry pot plant. Oh, I better water that. And they go to the sink. Oh, there's no dishwasher. Better go down the supermarket, get the dishwasher. And they almost forget what they've um, started off doing. But the funny thing is that at the end, both of them reach their, their goal. It's just that the perceivers do it in the nick of time mm. and they like to be uh, spontaneous and uh, they don't want to really be pinned down to, a, to um, you know, steps involved towards things. But the great thing is in any organisation, they can all be part of a team mm-hmm. and they can have each other's strengths to help them form you know, a better, um, better organisation really. Mm. And I think organisations really enjoy that because it's, it's an eye-opener. So, so how many different personality types are are, are there in Myers Briggs again? I, well, I thought there was six. 16, yeah. 16, oh, 16, yeah. 16 But um, but they're all different combinations mm. of all those different. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just sort of said the qualities that so you could be, E I I'm an E N F P, uh, borderline introvert extrovert. N, mm-hmm. I see the big picture more, but I've taught myself how to get into detail. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on the borderline of thinking and feeling. Again, I think I'm a feeler, but I've become, I've taught myself how to become more logical and analytical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the last one is I am a P, but I've had to work on making lists and, oh, sorry, when I say P, I mean perceiving type. I've, I've taught myself to have lists of things and mm-hmm. uh, start planning and plan backwards, that kind of thing. So you can change as you, uh, even though Isabel Myers and Catherine Briggs uh, um, uh, said um, that you could never change. You actually can. The latest research said you can gradually mm. change. So, so basically, you sit down with the with the business, or or you can do this with a family, mm-hmm. or a, or even a couple. I would think. Oh, absolutely. And, and you say okay, and then you give you figure out uh, you know where they fit into these sixteen different personality types, and yeah. go listen. First thing we need to do to communicate effectively here is understand where the other person's coming from. Exactly. And and that's how you help them. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. And um, even in schools, mm-hmm. I've done it. Uh, I've I've done it in high schools, and uh, but I would love to do it for um, even primary schools. Not and not just staff, but 
even though you don't really do Myers-Briggs officially to young kids, I think it's very good uh, to do that. And also between parents and kids Mm. as well. Because sometimes parents think, why aren't they more like me? Mm. And they can can be a completely different personality. Mm -hmm. I think it's great for parents to understand that. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how armed with this information you can communicate uh, with coworkers and family members better and as well as have stronger relationships uh, here in just the next session as well as we're going to talk about the great work you're doing with kids. It's uh, 632. Radio Italia Uno. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with Suzanne Matthew. Hi. Uh, hi. How you doing? Yeah, good stuff. We haven't good. talked for at least 30 seconds, so it's good to know that you're still doing well. And well, we haven't run out of conversation yet, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I was, uh, like I told you before, I, I think all the things that you've done is six or seven radio shows, not one. Yeah. But I, I do want to pick up on where we were in the last session real quickly, and then I want to jump into the great work you're doing with children. Um, So you've done this uh, Myers-Briggs thing. Uh, People have uh, figured out what personality type they are as well as their coworkers or family members or whatever group you're doing. Mm -hmm. So how do they – now that they have this information of who's got what personality – how do they utilize that to have a more effective, uh, you know, relationship, uh, rela- have, have a better relationship in the family or have uh, or be more productive at work? All right. Well, let's take an organization that mm-hmm. I worked with. Um, I was uh, asked by the CEOs to mm-hmm. come in and uh, get a, they, were, they were having problems with staff who uh, they thought were being a little bit time inefficient Mm -hmm. and so when I came in I think you know when I had done the whole course they realized that their organization was actually a bit top heavy and they were very much into the thinking mode the analytical mode that kind of thing Mm. some of the people that they saw as having problems were the feeling type of people so they were um, helping spending more time with their clients that Mm. kind of thing uh, and and really building up the relationships. Yeah, which uh, is key if you want to retain retain it, them. It is, and so what they uh, what they realised is they had to work in their teams, but really start appreciating the the strengths of these other type of personalities. Mm. And one organisation did this uh, great kind of test. I thought it was really really good. They they had one project. I can't remember what it was now, and they sat all the the feelers down at one table and the thinkers down at one table and I think they worked on it for quite a few weeks, this same project. And who do you think had the best solutions and the most efficient ending outcome for, for the project? Probably the feelers. Why do you think that? Because they're not going to get into analysis paralysis. <laughs> yeah, in fact, they, they want to bring the whole team on board mm-hmm. and they're not prepared to go a step forward until... Everybody is in harmony about mm-hmm. that, and so. But in reality, you're not going to always have that sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's good if you have a the, the best situation is if you have a mixture of, of course, those people, yeah. but with an understanding of the strengths. For example, I think this is a good, uh, you know, little thing example too. If you have the um, if you have the intuitive people and the sensate people. The sensate people are the detail people. They they like to 
get they're very practical and so it's often quite good say again for a project or an idea the uh, the end the intuitive people if they come up with the idea or you know they so they see all the possibilities and then the sensates they they then do all the practical work you know they're the ones that take the idea um that the other person had and they have the practical task to get mm. but at the end then uh the the other person the uh, intuitive comes on board as well and then they work out it all together so they all have different strengths at different stages of um you know projects or different um, work things that they're doing. Which is super key in business if you want to be successful. Yeah. I mean, what, what you reminded me of something I heard, gosh, maybe 30 years ago, uh, where uh, the, the quote was, if you think like me, why are you here? <laughs> And, and, yeah. and that's I think that's the case. I think that's kind of what we're talking about a little bit. I mean, mm. you need all these different types of people uh, to get the job done. You yeah. need the person that gets excited with the big idea. <laughs> then you need the guy down at the coal face. Then you need the guy that's going to keep everybody fired up on the team. Then you need you need all of these personality yeah. types uh, to accomplish the objective. And the same in a family. And it's so, you know? it's so true. Uh, so I, I, I think that there's... You know, I, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. But if they don't, if they don't understand, uh, they they can you know, have assumptions, that misunderstandings. Mm. Then they're really, really stuck with their own mindset, aren't they? Mm. Um, and and then the last one I was just thinking about the um, perceivers and the judges, the in an organisation or in a family. Say if it's planning a family trip, the person who is the the J or the judging person um they they might do the they say all right they do the detailed planning mm. thing but the uh p person the perceiving person uh comes up with a spontaneous idea yeah, and, and we, yeah. as long as the judging person can be flexible that's the important well it's tough thing. if you're if you're the the dad you know or maybe sometimes it's the mom, mom. Yeah. i might be i might be being a little bit stereotyping here so maybe i'm going to get myself in yeah, trouble but, i think so you know but but you know you've you've got this perfect thing planned you know mm -hmm. you've got your itinerary and all this stuff and you want the trains to run on time yeah yeah you know? and then uh i know well i've got a girlfriend uh, who yeah, is yeah. the planner mm. and I, I've been and, actually, and you take it personally if it doesn't go perfectly. Oh, I think you know? so, yeah. 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 Well, I've been coaching her, and she's been coaching me for the last four years, mm. and she has always been this planner, mm -hmm. and her partner is the ideas man, but she mm. couldn't, she really couldn't see for quite a long time that he, he had any, you know, that he had any strengths in that mm. area because she would say, but we planned it that way, and he said, oh, it was just an idea, and... She was like, no, no. But now she's learned to be flexible. Wow. Uh, 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 a woman in a relationship who doesn't <laughs> see the strengths of her partner. <laughs> I can't I, imagine that, I've can you? I've heard of that, but, you know. Yeah, I've never, never experienced no, that. No, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us real quick uh, a little bit about, uh, you know, the great work you're doing with children to help build their confidence. Okay. Well, I, to be truthful, my main passion in life is children. Mm. I even call myself, you know, shouldn't really, but the child whisperer mm. because I feel as if I've always been able to get under kids' skin a bit. Mm. I'm one of nine kids, the mm -hmm. second kid in the family, and so I've had lots of experience with all the different stages of childhood. Now I'm a grandma, and um, 
so I and I've always lived in my imaginary world, and so I've I've been absolutely. I've taught drama for many years, and I, I taught Japanese, French, and Indonesian. But I always brought drama into it to try and uh, help kids to be creative and almost to forget they're learning because they're having so much fun during it. And so I've taught drama all through my teaching career. And now what I do is I run drama workshops for kids, and I might have a theme like, um, say, if it was. Uh, pirates, Molly, um, Molly Rogers pirate crew, or uh, Spook School for Spies, example. And I dress up as the head of, say, the spy school, mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Prunella Snoopwell, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I, I sort of say to the kids, I'm going to teach them all these skills to help fight evil in the world, or whatever it is. And they all help me go on a quest. And we're all in this. We're suspending our disbelief. And they have. I give them costumes and sound effects and music, and it's like we're stepping into a movie rather than seeing a movie, you know, third hand sort of thing or second hand. This is them uh, getting into the world of imagination, and it's amazing how they come up with such exciting ideas. Mm. And I'm hoping that that sort of thing will help them with their storytelling and with literacy, and it, it will be like a springboard for other things at school. Because they don't have much drama in schools these what days. What age groups are you working with? Uh, well, I started with five to 12-year-olds, but actually <laughs> some four-year-olds are sneaking into some of my groups. I run quite a lot so of libraries. So you said five, five to 12? Five to 12. But now I, I'm thinking four-year-olds. Four-year-olds are responding really well. I actually even had a three-year-old. Mm. It was absolutely gorgeous the way he was sneaking up on me as a certain character. and you know, So you can't uh, – you know, uh, I think I'll probably say – Five to twelve still, um, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking I might run some sessions at uh, after school care or childcare centres next year. Mm. Mm. Okay, so, well, and, and that helps their confidence too. I mean, we, were, we weren't really talking about confidence, but they learn to work together well, and I let them be empowered. They can. So, how does it help their confidence exactly? Uh, well, to give you an example, if I'm this. Um, naughty evil sister in the forest uh you know i'll ask them to come up and ask them why on earth they're in my near my magic lake or something and they they start to tell me and i i put them on the spot and that kind of thing and they're defending you know they they become stronger and stronger mm-hmm. in their characters and i think and they all um because it's such fun it's all all game based mm-hmm. and that they just do develop their confidence i think in that world if you saw them you'd and that translates into you know making stronger adults is that is that what well, you it's think a, it's a, a stepping stone mm-hmm. i think if they can think yeah i'm i'm having fun i'm good at this i'm getting on well with people they feel good about themselves then that's a little help towards feeling good about yourself when you're older mm. and that's why i think drama is so good in schools too Mm. Mm. Wow, yeah, that's powerful stuff. I, I remember uh, reading many, many years ago, Frederick Douglass, the great uh, civil rights advocate, said that it's, that it's much easier to build strong children mm-hmm. than repair broken men. Oh, that's you know, so, so uh, of course, this is 1860s, you know, so yeah. so we only talked about men back then. Now yeah. we mean everybody. But mm. so, uh, yeah, that's some great stuff. We're going to hear a little bit more about the great work you're doing and how it can impact children uh, right here after these messages. It's 647. Okay. 
Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with Suzanne Matthew. Hi. Expert in helping out children with their confidence. So, uh, Suzanne, why don't you give us some quick tips that parents could uh, utilize to build confidence in their kids? Okay. Well, I, I think you've probably all heard about the helicopter parent and people these days hovering around their kids. I think sometimes we should be giving them... Uh, let let them take let the kids take responsible risks. I know it's very hard these days. You know we're, we're scared to let them walk around the block and that kind of thing. But I do think we need to empower them about the good things because otherwise kids will take the power and perhaps turn it in, in into bad things. So I think praise them for their efforts and I would say try and be positive all the time, no matter how bad a thing they've done. Try and stop yourself from being negative because sometimes that can turn them on to being more negative mm. um, so I've, I've done that with kids myself I just praise them no matter what even if they've done a naughty thing I'll just say gee I love the way you did your hair today mm-hmm. you know, just just keep praising but don't praise them for things that they um, haven't really done uh, you know praise their efforts don't give them a trophy for just showing up no exactly mm. and the other thing is I, I think it's really important to say um, if if they say, I can't do it, I can't do it, mm. you know, that sort of thing, you just say, hey, you've done hard things before. You can do it again. Mm. And give them an example. Because kids will, a lot of kids I've noticed over the last 20 years, kids give up more easily than they used to. Mm. And I, I think we need to, um, you know, sort of uh, toughen them up a little bit. Uh, not to... Not to just be with them. Oh, my darling, you're so sad. It must be awful, you know. Um, just build up their confidence by saying you can do it and watch out for the good things they do. And last tip, always have a calm voice. Kids pick up on your tone mm. very easily and the tone between parents too. Um, they, they watch out for all the little nuances between people, so I think you know that's that's probably enough for now. Well, that's some great stuff. Uh, what do you say to people that uh, say, "Oh, I don't want to praise my kid too much; they'll get a big head," or you know, I mean, because I know some people that say that. Well, I think it has to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think if if I do like your hair today, mm-hmm. uh, there was a there was a girl I was teaching Japanese to, and she just would not look up; she would not open a book, all that sort of thing. For a whole term, I praised her every day for something that was real. She mm-hmm. would just do a margin in colour or something like that. And I just slightly dis- um, ignored um, some of the, you know, negative behaviour. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this term, she gave me this huge present saying, thank you, Mrs. Matthew, you're the only teacher that's ever believed in me. Wow. And I thought I, I was just taken back because I was sort of doing it not as a... You know, I just, I just sort of decided to do that in the moment, and uh, paid off. And I think it's. You never know; that can make a huge, huge difference in her life too. I mean, she might decide she could go to medical school because yeah. no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I mean, yeah. just one person that believes in you can make all the difference in somebody's life. Yeah, just one. I they, know. You know, so well, I, I think that's awesome. Well, one day I met a girl, you know, a friend of mine, and her next door neighbor had a. Um, a friend who had a, an exercise book that I'd written in 20 years before mm-hmm. and she kept it because it said 
I, I always believe in you. Wow. So I think that's my final thing to say. Yeah. Uh, always believe in your children. That's awesome. Well, real quick here, Suzanne, can you please tell everybody how they could uh, get a hold of you if they want to do something with, uh, you know, helping their kids build confidence, whether it's one of the workshops or maybe one-on-one helping out parents, mm-hmm. and or uh, if they want to do something as a corporation to uh, help their staff work better together. Okay. Well, the... Um um, on on LinkedIn, yep. Suzanne Matthew, mm-hmm. and they can also contact me by my uh, email address. Shall I give it? Yes, yeah. please. At Susie S U Z I E Matthew M A W T H E W eighty nine at gmail dot com. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much, Suzanne, for being with us today. And uh, thank you, Mark Easton, for paneling for us. And thank you, you. audience, for listening. Without you, we don't even have a show. And as always, I'm going to leave you with a brief inspirational message. Do you think you've got it tough? Do you think you're tough mentally? Well, Colby uh, Delant was 12 when he completed his first 100-mile run. Or if you prefer in kilometers, 161 kilometers in 2009. Nicodemus Hollow was 17 when he finished what's called the hardest run in the entire world. The bad weather, bad weather, (laughs) (laughs) waskly wabbits, the bad water uh, ultra marathon, which is 135 miles long, or if you prefer, 217 kilometers. And it starts in Death Valley, California, at the lowest point in the United States, below sea level, at 86 meters below sea level, and just ha- and ends at Whitney Portal, at the foot of the highest place in the lower 48 states. At 2,480 meters above sea level, the air is thinner, i.e. has less effective oxygen, and it's more difficult to breathe. By the way, at 2,500 meters, that is considered high altitude and where most people start to feel the effects of altitude sickness because you're taking in about 29% less oxygen with each breath. It was also 54 degrees Celsius or 130 degrees Fahrenheit in Death Valley when he started that run. In this race, runners almost always have their shoes melt. This year, 2022, at 66 years of age, Pamela Chapman Markle became the oldest woman to finish the race. She had three pairs of shoes melt on her as the asphalt, being black rock, gets even harder than the air temperature, which again is between 50 and 53 degrees Celsius. Last year, in 2021, Bob Becker, a 76-year-old man, finished the Badwater Ultramarathon. He did it this year as well in 2022 at 77. One could give him a hard time for taking it easy this year, though, as he's done this race five times before. And at the age of 70, he became one of the 29 people in the world who have completed the Badwater Double. Apparently, 135 miles or 217 kilometers just isn't far enough. In the double, a runner finishes the 135-mile, 217-kilometer race, gets a nice rest, then wakes up 
climbs 11 miles straight up, or 17.7 kilometers, if you want to think of it that way, to the summit of Mount Whitney at 14,600 feet, the highest point in the lower 48. Oh, by the way, this is 1,500 feet above where pilots begin to wear masks to avoid hypoxia. At this altitude, there's approximately 42% less oxygen in every breath one takes. So he climbed up this 11 miles, and of course he had to then climb down 11 miles, and you guessed it, then he ran another 135 miles, or 217 kilometers, back for a round trip of 292 miles, or just under 470 kilometers. Let's go back to the to the Badwater 135. Several people have completed this race multiple times, including in this July, Dr. Russ Reinhold, who finished his fifth. Gerald Tobias, who finished his seventh. Amy Cost and Joshua Holmes, who finished their eighth time. Carla Kent, who did this 135-mile race for 10 years in a row. Harvey Lewis, who did it for 11 years in a row. Ray Sanchez, who did it for 14 years in a row. And Danny Westergaard, who just finished it for his 15th year in a row. One thing to note about this Bad Water Marathon, which is 135 miles, remember, or 217 kilometers, is the average age of the runner is 47. Interestingly, research data and statistics show that, quote, Finish times improve significantly when moving up from the 18 to 24 age group to the 28 to 29 group, and again moved up to, from the 30 to 34 group. From there, there was no statistical difference in finish time all the way to the 45 to 49 age group in men and the 50 to 54 age group in women. This is from Runners Connect. This would be Giannis Kouros, who at age 57 ran 550 miles in a six-day race, which is 885 kilometers. So it seems to me that this isn't just about physical fitness. It's more about mental toughness and the confidence that comes with experience. So once again, we're reminded that there seem to be two different kinds of people in the world. They're the kind that believe it can't be done, it's too hard, I'm too old, I'm too young, I don't have the education, I don't have the privilege, I don't have the natural ability, and on and on and on. And then there are the ones who, through their sheer force of will, can go on and on, handle adversity, and do things that seem impossible and inspire others. The question is, as always... Which one are you?